Hi, everyone. Hi, guys. Welcome to Wicked, Weird, and Grim, your number one podcast for a trip through the history of the odd, haunting, and mystifying. I'm Mara. And I'm Caroline. Together, we are the Grim Sisters. In today's episode, we're going to delve into the chilling case of the Countess Elizabeth Battery of Hungary. She's now often referred to as the Blood Countess or the Bloody Lady of Chaktitze, and she is labeled one of the most prolific female serial killers of all time. And though her name is actually Batori Ershebet in Hungarian, we'll be using the more common Anglicanized Elizabeth Batori. Also, thank you so much for that, because um, <laughs> just for you, as Caroline, we know, <laughs> for you, <laughs> I was originally, you guys, I was originally supposed to write the script. And then I was like, I'm going to do something else because I'm going to I'm going to leave that Hungarian to, to Ara, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the person who actually understands Slavic things. We'll, we'll get through it. <laughs> we will. All of we the script is like annotated with phonetic pronunciations for Caroline. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, though, because she helps me with my lack of true crime knowledge and cases, and I, in turn, am a linguistics nerd, so we shall do what we shall do. But you know what? It's going to help because one day I'm going to go to a place like Hungary, and I'm going to see a word, and I'm going to be like, oh, I know how to pronounce that. It was in a podcast. Uh, by the end of our podcasting days, you'll be fluent in another language or yeah. at least able to say things in. I'm not going to speak. You know how there are people who speak like Spanglish, you know, like it's a mix, like they don't really speak super fluent Spanish or super fluent English. It's just kind yeah. of a, a jumble. I'm going to speak like a jumble of like Russian and Hungarian and Polish and German. It's going to be like a mixture. Okay. Austro Hungarian <laughs> Empire girl. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, at least I will fare better than Franz Ferdinand. <laughs> That's for sure. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, born on August 7th, 1560, in near Bator, Hungary, to a prominent noble family, Elizabeth Battery de Exid was a wealthy Hungarian countess whose parents were Baron George VI Battery and Baroness Anna Battery. Both descended from powerful Hungarian and Transylvanian families. Despite being born into this wealth and privilege, along with having a noble upbringing, Elizabeth Battery's life was inundated with darkness. Elizabeth's childhood in particular was marked by a lot of tragedy and cruelty, as she was regularly exposed to the violence and cruelty of her family towards their servants and peasants. Her father, George, was even rumored to have tortured and killed his serfs, And this violence was completely accepted as a normal part of life in the Hungarian aristocracy. At the age of four, Elizabeth's father, George, died, leaving her in the care of her mother, Anna, who was known for her violent outbursts and erratic behavior. Anna was said to be mentally unstable, and her fits of rage often resulted in physical abuse towards Elizabeth and her siblings. However, according to Alexandra Bartoshevich, Elizabeth was similar in that, quote, Already at the age of four or five, she suffered from epileptic seizures, violent mood swings, as well as painful migraines, end quote. And this sounds a lot like incestuous genetic problems to me. Yeah. But I couldn't really find whether or not there was a lot of previous incest in her family. It wasn't really clear. 
But to me, it definitely sounds like somewhere along the line, some type of genetic abnormality happened. So yeah. I mean, if you ever really want to know what European history is, it's a bunch of inbred people yelling at each other and trying to kill each other. You're not wrong. (laughs) You are not incorrect. (laughs) Yeah. At the age of six, Elizabeth is said to have watched a public execution as well. So it's really believed that all of Elizabeth's exposure to violence and cruelty at a young age had a really profound impact on her psyche and contributed to her later acts of torture and murder. And despite this difficult upbringing, Elizabeth was very highly educated and intelligent. She could read and write, spoke with great fluency in several languages, and even knew Latin, German, and Greek. She was well-versed in literature and music and also showed a keen interest in science and medicine, which was highly unusual for a woman at her time. Was it or was it just not allowed? Was she in a station that she could? Yeah. Her various accomplishments and her high station, of course, attracted a lot of suitors, and Elizabeth was actually engaged to a powerful noble named Ferenc Nadazdi, somewhere between the ages of 10 and 13 years old, which sounds very young to me, but they waited a bit until she was married, so I'm like, oh, it's fine, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at least they both were, like, really young when it happened. Yeah, Nadezhdi was considered, like Caroline said, a great match as he was only five years her senior, and the marriage was a solely political arrangement among the upper echelons of the aristocracy. In 1575, when Elizabeth was 15 years old, she was married to the 20-year-old Ferenc. In 1578, Ferenc, also called the Black Knight of Hungary, left to command the Hungarian troops in a war against the Ottoman Empire. The area Elizabeth was left at was at risk of Ottoman invasion, so Elizabeth had to manage not only the expenses, medical care, and general runnings of the area that she and Ferenc owned, but also make sure that the areas were fortified and protected. So she was kind of doing some battle on her own. Yeah. And there were actually several instances where Elizabeth was intervening on behalf of destitute women in her domain including a woman whose husband was captured by the Ottomans, and a trigger warning for SA here, a woman whose daughter had been raped and impregnated by the Ottomans. And it's kind of hard for me to quantify this part of her with the part of her we hear so much about, which is her cruelty, but it does demonstrate the fact that there's such an ambiguity to human nature, I think. And even the people that we think of as most evil also have parts of themselves that are not. So it was very interesting to find these records and documentation about how she helped a lot of destitute women in her area. Yeah. Elizabeth and Franz had their first child, Anna, 10 years after their marriage in the year of 1585, likely due to the fact that Franz was often away in battles. Their children are kind of hard to pin down because she lost quite a few when they were very young. She lost others in the process of growing up. So we know it's very common during this time to have multiple children because you will lose some inevitably. The other documented instances of their children included Orsolia or Orsica, who was born in 1590 and who later became the wife of Istvan Benio. The other daughter that they had was Karolin or Kara or Karainia. She was born in 1594. Andras was born in 1596 and unfortunately passed away at only seven years old in 1603. And Paul was born in 1598. 
and he later became the father of Franz III. Despite their children, their marriage was rumored to be unhappy, as Nadashti was often away from home, leading military campaigns and battles. Elizabeth was left alone most of the time. During this time, she was expected to manage his estates and properties, which she is reported to have done with great success, considering that her husband could barely read and write. She was considered to be one of the most intelligent and educated women of her time. Disturbingly, Nadashdi was known for his cruelty and his penchant for torturing and killing prisoners of war. It's said that he taught Elizabeth many of his gruesome techniques, and she became an active participant in his sadistic games. However, on January 4th of 1604, Ferenc actually died of a mysterious and sudden illness in the middle of a battle. And the disease that killed Count Ferenc is still unknown, though he had suffered a disease of his lower limbs for at least two years before succumbing to the illness. So it might have been any form of genetic abnormality. (laughs) It could have been rickets, something like that. That's so funny, though, that he was in a battle, but he died of illness. Like, I know. I was like, dude. At first, I was like, did she poison him? And then I he was, was so like, close no, to some mind. kind of heroic 1500s rich man death. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, he's just like, Bleh. Bleh. <laughs> after Nadashti's death in 1604, Elizabeth inherited his estates and properties, including his castle in Chaktitse. The castle would later become infamous for the horrors that took place within its walls. Upon Elizabeth moving to the castle, it's said that the rumors of her brutality and cruelty really began to spread. And I can only think that after Nadashti's death in 1604, she was really left with managing these estates and not much else to do besides that, other than raising her children. But apparently that wasn't entertaining enough for her. So (laughs) she's in this giant castle and she has lots of power. At the same time, she's also experienced a lot of trauma like her husband died she had miscarriages and dead children she saw a bunch of horrible stuff as a kid and they're like a constant threat of war and stuff so i mean she's kind of going through it honestly not to mention her helping her husband with this torture murder people yeah yeah elizabeth had an intricate system in place where she would often lure young peasant girls to her castle with the promise of work or money she knew that they came from poor backgrounds and would not often be missed Elizabeth was then said to subject them to unspeakable acts of torture and abuse, even subjecting minor noblewomen who'd come to her for training and education to the same torture. Contemporaneous witness accounts indicate a myriad of torture techniques that Elizabeth would utilize. And this next description will be of the torture Elizabeth inflicted. And I want to give a very, very notable trigger warning for gore and assault. It is um, quite a slew of torture that she did. So um, if you're at all bothered by hearing this kind of thing, I would recommend you skip around 30 seconds ahead. Some of her victims in the warmer summer months were covered in honey and left outside for insects to eat alive. During the colder winter months, the girls would be stripped and subjected to deadly ice baths or dunked into water before leaving them outside to freeze. Elizabeth would torture the girls directly by such acts as driving needles into their fingers, cutting off their noses or their lips, burn them with boiling water, whip them with stinging nettles, or beat them with clubs until they were unconscious. She would bite chunks of flesh from the girls' bodies, particularly their shoulders and breasts, She would also burn the flesh, very often the genitals, of her victims with hot irons. These more intimate attacks have suggested to some historians or psychoanalysts a sexual motivation. For example, France might have derived sexual pleasure from torture and passed the same penchant onto Elizabeth. However, it's impossible to know for sure. 
Elizabeth is perhaps most well known for draining the blood of her victims, particularly virgin girls, to bathe in their blood to retain her youth and beauty. However, this was never documented in any reports or accounts. The first mention of these bloodbaths actually came 100 years post-mortem and is credited as untrue and a part of the haunting rumors that circulate about her for hundreds of years on until the present day. And the Battery case finally came to light in around 1610 when a Lutheran minister in the area, Istvan Magyari, repeatedly reported his suspicions to the authorities as well as the official court of Vienna. The judicial Lord Palatine of Hungary, Count Jorgi Terzo, ordered two notaries, Andras Keresteri and Mojes Tiraki, to collect evidence in March 1610. By October 1610, they had collected 52 witness statements. By 1611, that number had risen to over 300. That's crazy. I kind of take issue with this part, though, because this judicial lord is basically saying to these people, go out and collect all of these instances of abuse or torture or what have you by Elizabeth. And over the course of 1610 and 1611, all these people are getting tortured and they're collecting all these witness statements, but... You know, they don't really act until almost the end of 1610. Just letting people get tortured for the sake of amassing right. credible... How is 52 witness statements not enough? Like, why do you need 300 when you yeah. have 52 already? Like, like that should be more should than be enough. enough. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so, by that December of 1610, Count Torzo himself arrived at Batori's castle in Chaktice, to investigate the countess's alleged crimes, specifically against women of noble birth, because any mistreatment of servants or peasants at the time was not of concern to authorities and actually wasn't considered a crime, which is super horrific. fun. So, yeah. Terzo is said to have arrived right in the middle of Bathory torturing a victim and revealed a horrifying scene of mutilated and dead bodies scattered throughout Bathory's castle. In discovering this, he immediately imprisoned her within her home as her high status meant she could not be sent to jail as a common criminal. Elizabeth had four servants, three female and one male, that specifically acted as her accomplices to her torture. These four individuals were arrested as well, being questioned and subjected to torture, which is ironic. And their court proceedings began in January of 1611. The servants denied taking part in any of the torture or murders, but admitted to helping bury the victims, with numbers ranging from 36 to 51. They regularly shifted blame back and forth between their mistress and each other, but particularly implicated a deceased servant named Darvulia, who had served as a maid and a governess to Battery's children. Two of the women and a male servant, or the only male servant, were sentenced to death, which was swiftly carried out. The fourth was spared immediate execution, though it wasn't ever documented what happened to her afterwards, and I couldn't find any instance of mention. And then another woman who'd supposedly used magic to aid Battery was also soon killed. This last woman who supposedly used magic, um, there is very so very little written on her. It's just like vaguely noted that um, a sorceress was executed in um, conjunction with the Bathory case but it's so interesting to me because I'm like how is she aided Bathory and if it was a case of making people look the other way if it was I don't know some type of potion she gave her I was very interested in that part but there really wasn't anything about it yeah 
It's also possible that she didn't actually do anything. That's true. Also, this lady is vaguely annoying to me, so I'm going to say she's a witch and helped battery. Exactly. And now she's dead. <laughs> Men. Truly. <laughs> After these executions, Tozo still continued to investigate the Countess. However, one witness stated that Battery herself had listed 650 victims in her papers, that the number of victims varied in other testimonials, and the Countess's exact death toll remains unknown. The evidence gathered by Terzo also included 289 witness statements. It's absolutely insane. Again, the thing that's insane is he has all these witness statements and Mm -hmm. still didn't act earlier. Yeah, you would have had way fewer victims probably. I mean, at least like 100 of those would be alive. And a part of it is probably because, you know, she's such high station that mm-hmm. it was probably really hard to pin anything on her. Yeah. And I'm they sorry. Didn't... You do not need almost 300 witness statements to take this woman down. Yeah. And something that's ugh. also really wild to me is that this is a time period when they pretty much regularly skirted a lot of the established laws and rules to get what they wanted or, you know, to achieve their personal goals or whatever. And so it's really surprising to me that they were so willing to stick to the, quote, rules about how you couldn't imprison a countess. That, to me, is so wild. If ever there were a time to break the rules, dude, this is the time. Well, the (laughs) problem is that it's all the aristocracy and the upper echelon that are influencing and doing these rules. And I guess they're kind (laughs) of like thinking, well, if they can do it to her, then they can do it to us. But at the same time, I'm like, you're not a serial killer, or at least I hope you're not. So... I feel like in some way, because they excused the violence and killing of other serfs and peasants and people of lower class and status, probably was people who did this commonly. And it was just her that went crazy with it. Well, and she's also a woman. So yeah. Yeah. And we'll kind of discuss that a little bit more later because there are some conspiracies surrounding her. But again, the part that pisses me off is she's a member of a powerful family. So she's exempt from trial. And instead, she's isolated and restricted to her castle. Boo-hoo. Um, <laughs> How tragic. Um, she was technically given life imprisonment, but she passed away around four years later in 1614. And what's even more infuriating is that as she wasn't convicted of a crime, her holdings actually passed to her family members instead of being seized. So the legacy continues. <laughs> Yay. Some people bring up the fact that the evidence against Battery has flaws. Of 289 witness accounts, more than 250 offered either hearsay or no information whatsoever. The testimony that Battery had listed 650 victims was a secondhand accounting of what a court official had discovered. Yet the official who'd supposedly seen this information didn't even testify. Further, most of the witnesses who spoke against Battery were in Terzo's pocket, And he was the one who oversaw the entire investigation and was judicial palatine. The fact that Bactory's servants were tortured also makes their Mm -hmm. confessions unreliable. So then the question is, was Elizabeth framed? And if so, why? A good conspiracy theory about this, I think, is that imprisonment really allowed the other family members to take control of Elizabeth's possessions. For example, her sons-in-law knew well beforehand that her arrest was Mm. coming. So either they were tipped off by the judicial palatine or they tipped off the judicial palatine in the first place. The Habsburg court also owed her money through the very many wars that her husband fought and I think other things related to land ownership. 
and they did not want to pay her. There was a repeated history of back and forth argumentation regarding this money that the Habsburg court owed her. Sounds Furthermore, like the Habsburgs. Yeah. Sounds like them. <laughs> Are we surprised? No. <laughs> and then further, Batri's support of her nephew, Prince Gabor of Transylvania, was in huge conflict with, again, the ruling of the Habsburgs, which would, again, place her in considerable danger. So there's all these intricate details of political subterfuge that kind of underlies this entire situation. So was she framed? Is that a possibility? I have no doubt that she was most likely very violent towards her serfs or her individuals. But, you know, is this entire instance of all of these peasant girls that came to her and these minor noblewomen... Is it all a lie? It seems kind of far-fetched to me because there's so many people who apparently died. I don't know. We had to talk about it, so. Yeah. Regardless, Batri's infamous legacy lives on to this day, and her name remains synonymous with the grotesque and inhumane. Though, as we said, her legacy of bloodbaths is likely entirely untrue. Her cases inspired countless books, movies, TV shows, and everything else. It continues to fascinate and horrify people all around the world. About 170 miles east of Hungary's capital of Budapest, visitors to the Hungarian town of Nyerbator, which we've discussed previously, can actually stare the countess in the eye because mm. they have a battery castle and wax museum, which Ew. displays wax effigies of battery and her relatives in the renovated castle where she was born. <laughs> and you might ask, what about her actual legacy? Who are her descendants? What are they up to? And yay, the descendants of Ferenc and Elizabeth were banished from Hungary after their mother's death and took up residence in, you guessed it, Poland. So although some returned after 1640, that was basically the end of the noble status of the Bathory and the Dajdi family in Hungary. However, the family still has descendants to this day that have largely retained their familial wealth, not exactly suffering for their ancestors' quote-unquote crimes. It's not really a surprise given the state in which wealth today still gets people off the hook. Since they moved to Poland, what do you think the chances are you're related to them? God, I asked that question and I was like, I don't want to know. Is there a chance that this woman is my ancestor? And if so, how can I live with myself? But... (laughs) (sighs) Honestly, this is an entire witch trial and all of this was really stacked against her to make her seem guilty. That's insane. Yeah. I don't know which is more insane, her murdering 650 people or an entire conspiracy to make it seem like she murdered 650 people. I kind of wonder if it was a combination of those things, right? Because I mean, as we discussed, it sounds like most of the nobility in that time was pretty brutal and cruel and horrible and violent. And so I wonder if she was just the same as them, but all of the motivations of people around her, like her sons-in-laws and children and things like that, wanting to go ahead and inherit the land from her. I wonder if those people conspired to be like, we're all doing the same thing, but she's worse. Yeah, it's crazy to me to think like her actually being able to murder 650 people or them making up that she murdered 650 people. But yeah, Yeah. I agree with you that it's more likely that it's a little bit of both. Yes. Her being cruel and horrific to these women and then people also using it as an excuse to gain what they want. So, right. 
Despite the legacy of lies, truth, rumors, and horror that surrounds Elizabeth, with some arguing her innocence and others arguing her guilt, she has been established as and will likely remain one of the most notorious and reviled figures in the history of true crime. So as per usual, you can find us anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We would especially love if you follow and like us on Spotify, as well as on Apple Podcasts. And you can follow us on all of the social medias. We are on Facebook. There's a whole group. We have Twitter. We are Wicked Weird Grim. Instagram and TikTok. We are Wicked Weird and Grim. And we also have a Patreon. Please come support us there. That would be awesome. And as usual, you can always ask us questions on our anchor. We love when you guys interact with us. And with that, we will log off and you will hear us in two weeks on your next Wicked Weird Wednesday with the Grim Sisters. Bye, guys. <laughs> Goodbye, friends. Oh, wait. There's this awesome song that I don't think I can put on the podcast because of copyright <laughs> infringement, but it's about Elizabeth Bathory. And it's like, have you heard the story? Of Elizabeth Batori. <laughs> and anyways, it's really good. I'll link it somewhere, I'm sure. But we'll find a way. That's my my brief interlude. So you guys will listen to it. I think it's called Blood Countess. Probably. I feel like I've heard of that before. Yes, by Carlene Reynolds. Highly recommend it. Or the bloody lady of Chaktitsay. Okay. Ni Nierbator? Exed? We were both described from power. Described. <laughs> Here we go, guys. In an in it. She was what there? Her brutality and cruelty really began to spread and kind what of was became. That? What? Oh, my battery's running low. My laptop is yelling at me. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> the judicial. Uh, the ju. Let oh me. Oh my gosh. It's Georgi, Georgi, Torzo, Torzo, Andras, Andras, Kerestori, Keres, hmm. say that again, Kerestori, Kerestori, mm-hmm. and Mojes, Mojes, Chiraki, Chiraki. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You can watch them as you see fit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> The judicial, oh my gosh, the judicial, oh my gosh, this word does not want to come out of my mouth. The judicial Lord Palatine of Hungary, Count, what is it? (laughs) Ordered two notaries, Andras, this is the one, and Mojes, what is this one again?